Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across the Faith FM network. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, it's good to have you on the show this morning. What is positively different in your world today? Um, ooh. Positively different in my world. I think I'm thinking forward to something that will be positive. And that's that I'm going to make tofu tonight. And I'm really keen. That, and that tofu will okay. go That okay. tofu will go on sushi and it'll be amazing. I just, I just, oh, I love, how good's cooking, Lyle? Do you like cooking? I, 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 there are a few things in the world I would, that I detest more than cooking. I would rather, I think, um, stab myself in the eye with a screwdriver than be involved in the kitchen. <laughs> Eating is another story. I do enjoy eating, but cooking. And yeah, just, it's just to like, think it's this just guy's like, married. Wow. It's just like, I will just ask me to do anything else in the house other than cook food. What about wash the dishes? I'll wash the dishes. Your no dish problem. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, 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 I happily wash the dishes rather than cook. Are you serious? Uh huh. You need to get your priorities straight. Cooking nope. I'll the iron clothes. Best. I will wash the dishes. I will make the bed. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes I will do all of these things sometimes But cook, no I have one or two things that I cook That I'm very good at cooking I've got one thing I'm very good at cooking Self-reclaimed And then, yes um, So when my wife is away, it's like wheat bix Three times a day Yeah, boy if I can't eat it out of the microwave uh, It's not, gonna, it's not uh, worth it's eating not happen. It's not going to happen Two minute noodles I, I can handle that. Oh my word, that's wild! Are, are you grateful? Are you grateful for your wife? I am so grateful for my wife. She's like the most amazing cook on the planet. She is a gourmet vegetarian cook um, of just outstanding amazingness. This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Coming up in today's news, we are going to be talking about bumblebees. Okay. Amongst other things. Oh, awesome. It's going to be a a positively different section from me. It's Peter, Paul and Mary. Well, early in the morning, about the break of day, I asked the Lord, help me find a way, help me find a way, way. to the promised land, land. this lonely body body needs a helping hand. When the trumpet blows, won't you call my name? Won't you call my name? When the thunder rolls and the 
heaven's rain When the sun turns black Never shine again Never shine again When the trumpet blows Won't you call me please Call my name Welcome back, everybody. That was Peter, Paul, and Mary. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're about to have the first clue for our quiz. It's all happening here in the studio. Lawson, what have you got for us? Who am I? It was said about me, do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. Well, that's morbid. My goodness. This is The Breakfast Show. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth? <clears throat> I mean, hey, we all pray for when we have a child in the way for a healthy, happy baby. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever prayed a prayer like that. I think they were really focusing on the negative. Yes, there's the whole glass half full, glass half empty thing. Yeah, I think yeah. Gone half, definitely half full in that passage. Yeah, half empty. Half empty, sorry. Yeah, 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 half, yeah, empty. half empty. Yeah, definitely yeah. half empty. What am I saying? <laughs> half empty in that one. My goodness. Okay. I have no idea, by the way. <laughs> awesome. Not at all. That means double prizes up for grabs. 1-800-324-843 and you will get a prize completely for free. Actually, I know the prize we're giving away today. We are giving away an amazing book called, Jul- uh, well, it's called The History of Tomorrow by Julian Archer, which is an awesome book. I use it so much and an amazing resource um, going over actually some of the prophecies and events in Daniel. So, if you have an interest in that, in, in getting deeper into the book of Daniel, as we've been doing in our Encounter of Goal, which is coming up in the next hour, um, yeah. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843. All right, Lyle, let me set the scene. Are you ready for this? Okay, so, mm-hmm. you and Shell, you go out on date night, right? Mm-hmm. You're at this restaurant, having, having a nice dinner, and you look across and you see a man walk into the restaurant with a mask on, and you think, hmm, what's the go with that guy? Maybe he needs some help. But then all of a sudden, he pulls a gun out and starts robbing the place at gunpoint. Mm. What do you do? Okay, so, so far he hasn't actually started to kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, you, 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 your primary responsibility is to um, get your, your, your loved ones and yourself out of there and into a safe area. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good old run through. Um, comes into practice at that particular point. <laughs> yeah. um, so you, <laughs> your first thing that you need to look for is um, lines of retreat and mm-hmm. a restaurant that is typically either going to be through the front door or the kitchen, and it all depends on where the person is standing. Now, of course, there is the opportunity as a bystander. There's no moral mm. obligation as a bystander to intervene, but if you are going to intervene, it, it <clears throat> will depend, of course, whether it's a long arm or a... Um, a pistol as to how you would intervene. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you chose to do that, the first thing you'll do is close the distance. Well, there you go. Because that's a, it's a distance weapon, and so it, it, uh, it becomes ineffective by closing mm. the distance. You've either got to close the distance or get further away. Well, imagine that you and Shell are actually 
off-duty police officers, Detective Chase McCowan and Officer Nicole McCowan, and you're in this restaurant when a guy walks in and robs at a gunpoint, and you're there with your with your firearms, ready to take him down, and that's exactly what you do. So basically, this is the most wild story. These are like these two police officers. They're married and they're like off-duty at the time, um, and they're like having dinner when this guy comes in. And Which starts- country? In America. Yeah, okay, okay. Because the rules of engagement are going to be different depending on which country you're in. Guess guess Having said that, when a person does Mm. pull out a firearm, you have to work under the assumption that that they are prepared to use that firearm uh, for deadly force. Mm. And that, that assumption has to be made. Right there, and so legally you can respond with deadly force. Mm. Well, so they're in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, they're just, they're just, you know, yeah, they're getting it done. And basically, yeah, this guy starts to rob the store at gunpoint. It turned out that the gun was not loaded. It was more of a prop than a scare tactic, but still they, um, they're sitting there in the table. They're basically- It's irrelevant when the gun is being pointed at another person. Yeah, fully. But, they're, yeah, they're sitting there at the table and they're like- Luckily, they had a table, like, right in the middle of the room, and they could, like, go each side from that table and kind of pincer the guy into the corner, like, you know, having him on both sides, and they were like... They just looked at each other and like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to, like, we're going to stop this guy and this from is robbing a, the And this is, you know, a, a, an off-duty police officer does not have a moral requirement to do mm. so, but I think most off-duty police officers wouldn't. This is the difference between a civilian and a police officer, is that as a civilian, when there is danger, your responsibility is to run away from the danger. Yes. When you're a police officer, your responsibility is to run towards the danger. Mm. And this is why I have so much respect for our police force. Yeah. Oh, it's true. It's like the the work that... They're, they're the ones that are putting themselves at risk. Yeah. And in this story, like, and these guys as well as, as off-duty police officers, they're, like, putting themselves at immense risk by trying to, you know, decipher the situation. Yeah, well, as, as, as civilians, we have the opportunity and, and you know, to, to just nope out of there. Yeah. Fully. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they they um it back this guy right up to the door to the point where like he you know his guns prop he doesn't have you know the opportunity to take the money so he just bolts it he just turns around and gets out and they give chase like following him he's like jumping fences into backyards they're like you know parkouring behind him and they cat the do they fully catch him and tackle him and get into the ground and just like um wait for like you know they. Call on, up their buddies at the guys. station. They're like, "Hey, can you come around and come and re- arrest this guy?" They're like, "Yep." And so, um, yeah, they're just like fully got it done. It's the most epic thing ever. There's actually a video um, on this bad guy on the street. Oh man, and yeah, I'm like, what a what what a couple, what a couple goals. Like just getting it done like that. Um, interestingly enough, I read uh, in this in this article, it was like it was actually. Um, the reason they were out on date night was um, a part of they go to this same restaurant every single week as advised um, by their pastor, you know, during their marriage counseling. They were like, hey, it'd be good for you guys to have, you know, once a week where you go to your favorite place. And that's like your relax night, especially because you guys are in such high pressure jobs and, you know, just that safe space. And that was this restaurant. So these guys like Christians, police officers getting it done. I'm like, that is so awesome. 
yeah, let's. Oh, we need more couples like this. Yeah, it takes it takes guts to uh, you know to run down a guy who's armed with a gun that you have to assume is loaded, and you have to assume mm. he's prepared to use it. Mm. Um, that's a tremendous amount of courage right there, uh, because you know you you you're seconds away from death at any point, and to you know to run towards something like that in the interests of you know making the community a better place, it's just these guys are heroes. Mm. It just. Absolutely. It's just, um, yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. All right. Okay. I have a, a minute and a half left. I just wanted to tell you a quick story coming out of India where just wild things happen. Like, India's cool, like, because crazy things happen there. But there's a guy, his name is Karamul Hake, I believe. Um, and he essentially, like, he lives in a rural, remote village in India and, you know, could see the need that they had there for basically getting people to hospital it's like that's like a huge and we have that in australia you know with the royal flying doctor service and stuff like it one of the biggest um struggles with remote rural communities is their their lack of access to hospitals anyway this guy decided that oh hey like i will become an ambulance and got his motorbike at the time and created a sidecar and he basically has a motorbike sidecar ambulance he built his own one he built his own motorbike sidecar ambulance and it's the most wild looking thing because it's like i don't even know how to describe it really it's like a bike and then attached beside it is like this just this big box but it's like open air and there's a bed and you can just lay on the bed and you're kind of out in the open air which is kind of sketchy luckily they have seat belts across the bed so that you don't fly (laughs) out and so he's taking like well i survived the accident will i survive the trip to hospital well he's taken five thousand people to hospital in the last decade so this guy is killing it but yeah hey uh this is sarah gross with you cannot lose my love You 
Welcome back, guys. That was Sarah Groves with You Cannot Lose My Love. You're listening to The Breakfast Show, and Lawson is about to give us another clue for our very obscure quiz. I can't... Anyway, let's not even read that first clue again. It's Breakfast Show. All right, I think you'll get it. I think you get it maybe from from this clue. Sorry. Here we go. Who am I? My parents were uh, Jochebed and Amram. Really? Yes. Ooh. Read me that first clue again. <laughs> it was said about me, do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it right. I cannot connect those two stories together whatsoever at all. But anyway, that's that's, <laughs> the, that's the good fun of the the good fun of the quiz. Well, <laughs> hey, no double prizes up for grabs this morning for one 843 and you will get a copy of Julian Archer's History of Tomorrow. All right, Lyle, what's happening? In more serious news, some wineries in South Australia are fighting for the right to kill and maim children. What? Yeah, okay, I may have said that a little bit extremely to catch your attention, but it's not far off reality. Okay, okay. And I'm going to have a bit of a rant here this morning. All right, here we go. I'm really confused. Okay, so so since 2011, there's been this uh, law that's come out um, and I'm not quite sure how it's a how it's a law when it is um, optional, mm-hmm. where they would like you to put labels on your um, alcoholic beverages to warn people that drinking alcohol while pre- while pregnant um, can maim or kill your children, mm. your your you know, um, etc. And of course, because that's kind of negative for sales, a lot of wineries have not done so. Mm. And so now the South Australian government has come in and said, you know what, we need to do something somewhat similar to what they, we do with cigarette packages where we put uh, very clear warning labels mm. on all alcoholic beverages um, <clears throat> that um, you know make it universal. It's the same label that goes across you know all, all, all beverages and makes it clear that this is not something you want to be partaking of if you are pregnant because mm. it has a very, very high chance of doing terrible, terrible things to your child uh, that they will have to suffer for the rest of their lives. Mm. And so basically what you've got is if you drink while pregnant, there is a 1 in 10 chance mm. that you're going to maim your child. Wow. Now, 1 in 10, that's pretty hectic. mm um and uh you know that 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 varies from you know mild brain disorders all the way through to full blown fetal alcohol syndrome through to diseases that you know children die from mm. now <clears throat> um in australia 25% of pregnant women drink alcohol wow which that really shocked me i thought the percentage would probably be around about the 2% yeah but it's not. 25% of pregnant women still take that risk with their children. And, of course, you know, they've got that one in ten chance that they're going mm. to maim or damage their child. And so this is incredibly irresponsible. And not only is it incredibly irresponsible, but it is, you know, it's, it's just... It's, 
It's ridiculously dangerous. And for the alcohol industry to turn around and say, no, we don't want to put those warning labels on our bottles is another way of saying, no, we would rather your children either be killed or maimed rather rather than we lose money. Mm. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. What kind of a what kind of a person does that? Yeah, you know, if you were, I, I don't think any person should be in the alcohol industry whatsoever at all because you're you're, you're peddling uh, an addictive drug. Uh, one in seven people who drink are addicted to and are alcoholics. Uh, mm. You are you are, are peddling the worst socially damaging drug that there is in Australia. But that's an, that's another point. But then to go this step and say, no, we don't want to put those labels on our bottles because if we do, then less pregnant women are going to buy our product and we are going to get less money and you absolutely have no conscience whatsoever at all about what happens to children? I mean, seriously? Mm-hmm. I think that there should be a law. This is my opinion is that there should be a law that... Um, endangering a, 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 a child's life or their health by drinking alcohol while pregnant should be a chargeable offence. Mm. Because, I mean, how is that different from um, endangering your child's life, you know, purposefully, knowingly endangering your child's life by, say, for instance, letting that child ride in the car without a, a seatbelt on or yeah. a car seat or something like that? It's the same category. And, like, already, like, it, laws exist against feeding children alcohol like there's a law that you're not allowed to smoke in the same car as your mm. children you're not allowed to you're not allowed to as you say you're not allowed to give them alcohol to drink but you can pour alcohol into their bodies while they're unborn yeah oh and then that, that kind of gets into the to the the conception <coughs> you know when does life start yeah life starts at the conception simple uh. as that <laughs> Um, <clears throat> that's very, very clear in the mm. Bible, and so yeah, I'm I'm having a bit of a rant on this one. I'm I'm deeply upset by it. I cannot believe that there would be any alcohol company that would oppose something like this, and yet they're all up in arms about it. Yeah, like oh, you're taking away our right to hurt and maim children. And what uh, on earth, man? It was the same thing. It was the same thing when the smoking packages legislation came in. Um, it was. It was like you know. Big kick up, and I remember the ads at the time, like you know, oh, why are we turning you know Australia into a granny state and like making? Th- but look how in how ridiculously successful that has been. Yeah, it's, it's been, been off awesome. the charts successful. Mm. It's been amazing at making Australia a better place, and <clears throat> um, seeing our our rates of smoking drop, and the cost of Medicare drop, you know, because of, you know, so much less expense that, you know, you and I are no longer funding people to kill themselves. Mm. Um, yeah, just, it's been, it's been the greatest thing ever. Anyway, another story here real quick. This one's a, a positively different one. I did promise I'd talk about bumblebees. Yes. Bumblebees have minuscule brains <laughs> and tiny wings. Uh-huh. Uh, for many, many decades, engineers um, could scientifically prove that it was impossible for a bumblebee to fly. <laughs> That's so classic. Of course, Bumblebee, ignorant of the fact, just went ahead and flew anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But brain size has been related to intelligence through the theory of evolution. Now, Mm -hmm. of course, this has long been debunked, but you still find it in textbooks. And they say, well, monkeys have smaller brains than humans. 
Therefore, humans have been able to evolve into more intelligent beings because of our bigger brain capacity. Mm-hmm. Except that there are lots of races of human beings who have much smaller brains than uh, many species of monkeys. Mm. And, of course, you know, the, the, the pygmy races and so forth that have those smaller brains are equally as intelligent as any other human being out there. Yeah. Now they have found that bumblebees, which have a minuscule brain that they used to think was uh, like super simple and just reacted to stimuli without, you know, too much thought, um, may have a form of consciousness and self-awareness similar to human beings. Wow. So they have been able to demonstrate that they can um, perform cross-modal object recognition. Mm-hmm. which simply means that they can use their different senses independently from each other to identify certain objects. In other words, um, <clears throat> there are objects in your house, let's let's say a jar of honey, for instance. If you've seen it, and then I go and put it in the cupboard and put a blindfold on you, you can then go and find it in the cupboard by feel because you can remember what it feels like. Yeah. Bumblebees can do exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what they can see, they can recognize by feel and vice versa, which is something that was thought to only exist in human beings that have self-awareness and consciousness. And they have a, they have a brain about the size of, I don't know, one about half a millimeter across, and they do all that. We have an amazing Ooh. creation. This is uh, Paul <laughs> Lee. We're going to interview Paul Lee in just a moment. Uh, an amazing singer, very, very famous singer from Great Britain, Growing Together in Love. We don't speak the same language But we believe in the God of love Though I may be so different to you God has a work for me to do How can I help you, my friend? I need to be here for you till the end And if I can't see through the wall I can still help
Everybody, you're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. And joining us on the phone this morning, uh, right here in the studio, is Mr. Paul Lee from the United Kingdom. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Good morning to you, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Now, you're probably not as well known here in Australia as you are in the UK, so I probably should just share a uh, a few things about uh, who you are for our audience here, uh, Paul. But um, yeah, 
Recently, you sung the lead for uh, Stand By Me at the royal wedding of uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. So that's, what, an audience of about, what, two billion people or something like that? That's a pretty special uh, opportunity. Yeah. Yes, it was. It really was a, a fantastic opportunity. Um, God allowed me uh, to have been uh, the soloist for that occasion. Uh, originally, I was not supposed to have been the soloist. I was just the stand-in. Uh, but when uh, we had an audience with Prince Harry and Meghan at Kensington Palace, I was asked to be the stand-in vocalist um, because the original vocalist was not available. And um, eventually what happened was um, I did the uh, the solo part then, and they uh, preferred my voice, and so I was chosen. That's a wonderful opportunity. Now, I understand this is not the first time that you've sung for the royal family, is that correct? That That is correct. I was part of the London Adventist Chorale um, who came to Australia uh, some years ago and sang at the Sydney Opera House. Uh, that was not too long after we had won Saints Choir of the Year competition. Um, and for the Queen's Jubilee, uh, we were invited to sing at Buckingham Palace, so we, we sang for the world then. Uh, I've also had um, a quartet and sung at uh, Buckingham Palace uh, for the Princess Royal, Princess Anne. Um, so we, we've had a few occasions where um, we've bumped into the royalty. And when you are in that kind of a, when you have that kind of an opportunity, do you actually have an opportunity to meet the uh, members of the royal family personally and interact with them? Yes, well, um, to be fair, on the two previous occasions with Princess Anne and with the Queen, we did not have that opportunity. But we did have that opportunity with um, Harry and Meghan at Kensington Palace when we met them. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Now, Paul, um, you've been involved in music for a long time. I understand that you've been involved in the, the gospel music industry in the UK for uh, the last 35 years or so across a a whole range of genres. Um, (laughs) I'm just reading on your bio here that includes gospel, classical, pop, soul. That's a lot of different different, uh, genres that you're involved in, so obviously very uh, multi-skilled across a a range of different... uh, Do you have your favorites amongst those different genres, or or do you just, you know, take whatever opportunity comes and run with it? I I have been blessed uh, to have a a number of opportunities there. to uh, perform in different arenas. Um, there, there were um, particular points that were absolutely fabulous for me. Um, apart from doing uh, film soundtracks, um, I, I also, one of the highlights for me was being on tour with uh, the American opera singer, Jesse Norman, um, who came to London and uh, uh, we, we invited her to come and listen to the London Adventist Chorale. And as a result of that, an ensemble from the Chorale um, did quite a major tour with her. That, for me, was one of the particular highlights. But but God has blessed me in, in so many different areas and different genres of music, as it says in the bio. And, uh, and I give all thanks and praise to God for the ability to do all of those things. Yeah, and praise God. Now, Paul... Um, I'm just wondering whether you can share with us a little bit of your own spiritual journey. 
Uh, did you yeah. grow up in a Christian home? Is this always been something that's a part of your life? Um, I, yes. No, the, the truth is that I did grow up in a Christian home. Um, from a very early age, I had a natural aptitude for music, and my mother sent me off to uh, piano lessons, um, as you do in the Sunday Adventist Church. Uh, a lot of the young children are sent off for an, an, uh, uh, an area of discipline, let's just say. Um, and I, I learned uh, the piano, um, but uh, but music was a very focal part of um, family life. We used to have worship, uh, family worship in the mornings and in the evenings. We sung together as a family. So the journey started at the very earliest stage and in things like uh, kindergarten at church uh, and then going through the different stages, juniors, primary, um, uh, the sort of early teens and then youth and adults. Um, so th- there was a progression through uh, all of that, um, through a Christian progression through all those things uh, through church and was able to, to utilize those skills. Um, a little later on, um, I, uh, becoming an adult and feeling that I had control over um, a great many things, I took that journey outside of the church and um, did an awful lot of what you will see on my bio um, to a greater extent uh, with things that I did outside of the church. But um, but I, I did have a sort of Damascus Road experience um, when I was on tour with uh, a pop singer by the name of uh, Paul Young. And I was away in Germany with him at the time. And um, on, on a particular Sabbath morning, the Holy Spirit um, visited me. And uh, the following week, I found myself back in church. So, yes, it was quite a journey uh, that took me into adulthood. Um, and it took me quite a while for me to fully understand what it was that God really wanted for my life. Yeah, I noticed you've also performed with uh, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Maxi Priest, Boy George. Yeah. These are quite a few big names, but they're also names that we wouldn't, you know, as Christians uphold as being, you know, That's role right. models for Christianity. And so I'm assuming yeah. that this yeah. is this is part of your journey outside of the church there for a period of time. That's correct. Yes, all of those things uh, were done uh, before the Paul Young tour. Um, so I was able to um, be in there. And I'm grateful to God for keeping me through that journey because the reality is uh, a lot of people um, take that journey outside of Christianity um, and somehow never make it back. But I'm grateful to God that the Holy Spirit was with me uh, through that period and and, uh, the seed that was planted within uh, my heart and my mind by my mother um, was able to germinate at the right time and bring me back. Did you learn from those experiences? Did you learn things that are beneficial for you when you're talking to other, you know, to, to young people today who may be considering going out into the world um, or are already out, you know, in, in what, you know, within Christian terminology we would call out in the world? Um, and, and they sort of, I guess they see the bright lights of fame and stardom and it seems very attractive. Yeah. yeah. What, what did you I, see I learned, there and what did you learn yeah. from those experiences? I, I learned tremendous lessons. And um, uh, you, you don't have to put your hand in the fire um, to recognize that it's going to burn you. 
um, even if it looks pretty. Um, at the end of the day, there are tremendous lessons that need to be learned, and I learned um, some um, some great lessons. Um, uh, people that were outside, uh, some of them did not make it back, um, and I learned that um, you know we should never uh, ever go away from the Holy Spirit, even if things look particularly attractive. And and you know when you're out there, money is um is a very attractive thing and and you know they will throw an awful lot of money at you uh but the truth is that the, no money is worth your salvation no money is worth your soul um so what i learned more than anything was that what um glitters is not always gold and you know what what may seem like green grass uh from a distance is actually a bog and you know um, we know that things grow out of manure. Um, so from a distance, it will look great. But the reality is, um, it is a bog and it's not a great place to be. My advice to, to young people wanting uh, to do that is that it's a lottery. Um, you may make it, you may do very well, but the reality is there's a great, a greater, much, much greater number of people who do not make it and sometimes do not find their way back um my advice to you would be stick with the tried and the tested and give your time and energies to god and um there will be stars in your crown stars that you possibly will never ever know about until you reach home clearly you're the kind of person who in that environment did have the skill set to make it big if you had chosen to continue. Do you ever have regrets that you did not uh, chase stardom within, you know, the, the worldly scene? I I was offered two recording contracts, one with uh, Fourth and Broadway uh, and another one with Warner. Um, and both times um, I did not accept those um, invitations, having spoken to my mum, and uh, I considered my mum the uh, the flaming sword, uh, and you'd have to get past the flaming sword to be able to do certain things. And uh, she was the um, the glue, the factor that sort of kept me uh, grounded. Um, when those opportunities come, and they do come, um, you're going to have to make a choice. Uh, my advice to you would be. Uh, choose the right way, the the, the narrow way. Um, the broad way may be filled with um, lights and attractive things, but the reality is there's, there's no um, reason to believe that you will make it back because when those things are so attractive, you don't really want to leave them um, because they're so nice. But I'm, I'm grateful to God for having people in my life like uh, elders, like my mother, who kept me on the straight and narrow. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, Paul, how long ago was it that you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, responded to that voice, and you know, turned up in church? Um, I think I was uh, maybe about um, 27 or 28. Uh, prior to that, I'd been on the... Um, on the music circuit in the UK, both in gospel and secular, I, I hasten to add, um, when you are given a gift and opportunities come to you, even though you were in church, 
you you do um, and I had accepted a lot of those things and done them. Uh, it took a while for me to get to a point um, where uh, the Holy Spirit uh, was able to work on me, and and so it didn't come until adulthood, until I was about 27, 28. But uh, prior to that, I'd been uh, on the fringes and playing around. Um, but it was um, when I got to that point in adult life that uh, the Holy Spirit visited me and brought me back in. And since that time, you've mentioned the uh, the Adventist chorale, the London Adventist chorale. Mm. What else have you done in service for God with your with your talents during that time? And how, and how has God used you? You know, from from then through through down until now. Well, God has uh, has opened the most amazing doors for me, and one of those doors, um, uh, interestingly, was the royal wedding. Uh, I never foresaw that uh, in a month of Sundays. I never saw that uh, that God would provide an opportunity for me to stand before literally billions of people and to be used uh, for His glory. Um, it, the, the song went hand in hand with the spoken word of the day. Bishop Curry delivered the word on that day, and then uh, the choir sang. Um, the two things were put together. The original text of that song came from Psalm 26, and for me, that was a significant day because God chose that day to roll out his message of love to the entire planet. And now none of the royal family, none of the invited guests, none of the celebrities, will be able to say, say that they did not hear the Word of God. They were captive and had to sit and listen to what that was happening. But um, but yes, the doors, tremendous doors have been opened to me. One of those doors, of course, is being here um, in Australia at this time, um, speak, uh, singing for a program with uh, a televangelist, Doug Batchelor, and to be able to provide the music for that. So, um, the doors, and they, they're still, excuse me, they're still opening. Um, two more trips for the year, one in the U.S. and another one in Antigua, uh, in the West Indies. So doors are continuously opening for me. I think it's amazing that you have that opportunity of being able to use these talents in, in, in such, you know, in a way that has such a global impact. Um, that you know, these talents that God has given to you. Your time here in Australia, I understand that you are in Queensland right now um, mm -hmm. and you've been here for some time. Tell us a little bit about the meetings that have um, already taken place and what's coming up. Well, um, I do have a, a concert um, tomorrow evening, Thursday evening, um, and then on Saturday morning, Sabbath morning, I shall be speaking um at a church here and then i believe one more concert and then on sunday i fly back to london so the um the opportunities have been tremendous and i still have two or three um uh things that i need to do invitations that i need to fulfill but um but yes these are one or a few of many and i'm grateful to god for opening those doors and allowing me even to see this continent again, which is, I have to say, um, and to your listeners, is one of the most stunning and beautiful countries I've ever seen in my entire life. Ah, praise God, we are certainly blessed to live in an amazing place here, and it's exciting to have you as a visitor to our country. We are certainly privileged to have you here once again, and hopefully uh, it won't be the last time 
Now, you mentioned that you're going to be uh, singing and speaking across this weekend. So I've just got those details here. So Saturday, the 22nd of February uh, in Brisbane at Reedy Creek Seventh-day Adventist Church. So that's Reedy Creek's Adventist Church, 7 to 9 Bridgman Drive. And, of course, that will be at 11 a.m. Saturday morning, the 22nd. Um, and then that evening at 6.30 p.m., so that is, once again, the 22nd of uh, February, 6.30 p.m., at the Gold Coast Central Church, Adventist Church, 67 Warrener Street, Narang in Queensland. And that, of course, will be uh, your gospel concert. So anybody in those areas, just I, I just got to say this, <clears throat> you know, Paul Lee is here. He's here for a couple of more days. Take the opportunity travel and um and and hear him and if you uh are obviously in the brisbane area where he's going to be performing then you've got no excuse uh jump on our facebook page the details will be there and uh, you'll be able to go and hear paul lee paul thank you so much for joining us here on the breakfast thank show this morning you. deeply grateful for the time and the opportunity to share part of my journey that was Paul Lee sharing with us his journey in music here on The Breakfast Show. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be back uh, after this song, 8 o'clock news, and then we're coming back with Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith. If I
You're listening to Faith FM Radio. For more information on any of today's broadcasts, call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.